I never thought I'd see the day in my lifetime when the state and the school would try to take over control of our children away from our away from parents uh, and then feed them with false information about who they are and what they are. And But it's happening all over this country. Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Victor Marks Show. I'm excited today to have a friend, uh, Michael Francisi. He's the son, many of you remember, the notorious underboss of New York's violent Colombo crime family. And uh, you've seen him on TV. You've probably heard him speak before, many of you. Uh, but I'll tell you, I met him through a speaking event. And trust me, sometimes what you see on stage isn't really necessarily the, the real person or the, the real character of a person behind the scenes, and Michael is. And uh, instantly I just thought right on, and I think when people come from hardships and they see the grace of God in their life to truly change them, uh, then, then you see the difference. Michael was born again while he was uh, serving a lengthy prison sentence, and he's been able to walk away from his that chapter in his life without having to go into protective custody, which truly, that's unheard of, or without being knocked over. Um, but he resides in California with his bride and seven children, and he speaks of his past as a motivational speaker, author, and creator of actually a wine brand. But brother, you are a great, um, you're a great minister uh, in, in, in the way that we need today uh, which isn't the typical evangelist or pastor, but God uses you in a great way. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Victor. Thank you for that. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, equally, I follow you and, and I really appreciate all you do for the kingdom. And, you know, we're in this together, brother. Yeah, we are. It's, uh, I, we before we went on the air, we, we were talking about, what's hot right now in Christendom, and that's the new movie, The Jesus Revolution. And you actually saw it a couple of times, right? I did. You know, um, Greg Laurie has, uh, has been one of my heroes of the faith. Uh, you know, long story short, when I was in lockdown and first started to read my Bible, and this was back in the, the early 90s, mm. uh, I had a Sony Walkman at that time, and I would say, <laughs> our, young kids, our young kids don't know what that is before the <laughs> digital world. But I used to listen to Greg. Uh, he had his radio show. I didn't know who he was prior to that, but he helped me uh, really, uh, you know, translate and, and understand the Bible. And when I got out, uh, I went to Riverside, where he has his church. This is funny, uh, Victor. And um, somebody recognized me. I said, I'm here to see Greg Laurie. I want to meet him. And somebody recognized me. And Greg was kind of afraid to come out for a moment. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Some mob, some mob guys looking <laughs> to see you, Greg. And Greg, <laughs> and uh, so we met back in, uh, in the late 90s. And we've become, you know, dear friends since then. And so I had an opportunity to, uh, to go to the house and see the movie, A Rough Cut. 
mm. which uh, was just fantastic. And then we went to the uh, uh, to the premiere in L.A. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the amazing I mean, it's an amazing story, you know, what was really amazing to me, Victor, is that at the same time that that movie was about to be released, we had this revival going on in universities throughout the country and they weren't coordinated. It right. just happened to happen together. And I'm saying, wow, is, is the Lord really working at a time when, in my lifetime at least, I believe we so desperately need him? Um, you know, he's coming from both ends, both on the college campuses and in the movie theaters, and I think he's having an impact. I really do. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, we have similar backgrounds because while I was in the Marine Corps, I actually started listening to Greg Laurie on the radio. That was wow. my first contact with, as an adult, the gospel. And I never forget, it was uh, New Year's Eve of 1986. And I'm coming back from partying all night in LA. And um, my, my buddy in, from the Marines, he's passed out in the seat next to me. Uh, we, I got, I just barely escaped a bad fight because we went in a place that we shouldn't have gone, uh, and it was way too many of them. So I'm driving back, and I'm just just sick of my life, right? I'm going, man, I'm doing everything they say to be a man. Fight, drink, chase skirts. Uh, but yet I knew women that could fight, drink, and chase skirt just as good mm -hmm. as me. And I'm thinking, there's something missing. I turn on the radio, and he had like a 5.30 a.m., uh, radio program on K-Wave, and I hear this guy talking, but not like preaching down to you, right. but he's speaking with such authority, and you know that, and uh, and I would get up every morning, go to my car, because I lived in barracks at the time, and turn on the radio, sit in my car and listen to him for months, and then I found out, you know, he also came on at, you know, lunchtime, I said, well, I'll catch him at lunch. <laughs> And uh, and then one thing led to another. I started listening to uh, who I thought was a Mexican missionary because he had a heavy accent, and that was Raul Reese. Raul Reese, yeah. And and I found out, man, this guy's got a big church. He's impacting. And it was six months into this that I actually gave my life to Christ. And you know, gosh, I don't know. A couple of years later, Greg Laurie. I'm out of the Marine Corps. I have a martial arts school, Greg Laurie walks into my high school. Wow. And he and his son went to train, and they were driving down from San Clemente to, uh, you know, Vista. And one past that, he just goes, hey, you, I think you could be discipled, because I was a new Christian, because, uh, and I need to be taught karate, because he had had some threats on his life. And yeah. So, brother, he... I would drive up to his house every week, uh -huh. and he would just disciple me one-on-one. -on -one. Wow. Uh, teach me about the fundamentals of preaching. It, he, he'd give me his handwritten notes. It was, uh, and then him and Kathy actually gave Eileen and I our honeymoon suite. Oh, uh, look at that. So, yeah, and I tried to be a pastor in the Calvary's. I wasn't good at it. And I found out what I was called to, and I never forget. I thought I'd, I called him, and I was like, "Greg, um, man, I'm struggling. I'm trying to be a pastor, da da da." And he just goes, "Victor, I've never seen you as a pastor." 
He goes, an evangelist, yes. But he goes, and I know this impacted me hugely because uh, his son, Christopher, I was training. He goes, Victor, Christopher's around some of the most godly men in ministry. He meets them all. He goes, he expects them to be godly. He goes, but you, you're a Marine. It was a black belt. And he goes, you love the Lord. You impact my son as much as anybody because he doesn't expect you to be godly, but you are. And I'm, I'll never forget that. And it kind of released me from this feeling of, well, I've got to be a pastor in order to be, you know, this or that. And then I just started being myself. So I'm always grateful. I just did a video and posted it about the Jesus Revolution. I'm always grateful for Greg's investment in me. And, um, you know, we, we've since, you know, different lanes we run in. And I haven't talked to him in a coon's age. He did watch the film of my life story. My wife and I bumped into him. Uh, I think it was in Newport Beach. And he just was like, mm -hmm. I think he came at me like, hey, ah, you know, I was like, well, great. Yeah. He'd always do that. <laughs> and he just goes, I just watched your film. He goes, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about your past of the abuse. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, I was quiet for a long time. And then I said this. <laughs> I go, well, I'm, I'm hoping now I'll be able to stop telling my testimony so much. And people can just watch the film or read my book. And I'll never forget, Michael, he, he just laughed. He goes, Victor, this isn't a time where things are going to slow down. Things are going to only escalate for you. Mm. And he realized I didn't have a clue. And he was right once again. So I'm thankful uh, again. And watching that film, I'm realizing my lineage is Lonnie Frisbee, Greg, and now me. Yeah. And there are things going on that uh, you mentioned earlier of God's spirit moving. We'll talk more about it, but brother, I think God is showing my wife and I, he's inviting us into to expand our ministry to reach those who have suffered most from sexual abuse, from rejection, the brokenness, all, all this stuff. And we see many of them, they're, they're, they're being mutilated, they're trans, they're gendered. It's all about identity. They don't know their identity. But, man, I would ask those watching and listening, pray for us. We have to make some decisions here pretty soon that will impact our not only our ministry, but a, a, a ranch that would allow these, I would say, young people, these people struggling with their identity, to come and really be set free emotionally and spiritually because we already set people free physically and we're in that groove of helping those who've been, uh, you know, trafficked or uh, being used by pedophiles or traffickers. So that that's kind of my deal. I went long, but it's so fresh, man. I just got to tell you, it's, it's today fresh. It's just like, my gosh, waking up and the Lord showing us more vision about something that he wants to do. And it's it's not small. It's exactly what you alluded to in the beginning. God's spirit is, is moving in a new way. There is a movement and he's drawing people to themselves. Well, Victor, I'll tell you this, you know, you, you nailed it. And, um, you know, the young people, especially 
you know, trying to find their identity. And the <clears throat> and to me, the enemy is working hard through this culture <clears throat> to give them a false identity. And it's this false identity that's causing this mutilation and, and all of these issues that we're having. And <clears throat> boy, we're in a war and we have to fight against it. You know, I never thought I'd see the day in my lifetime when the state and the school would try to take over control of our children away from our away from parents uh, and then feed them with false information about who they are and what they are and but it's happening all over this country maybe all over the world I'm not as as, as clued into that but certainly here in America what we're witnessing now is unprecedented in our lifetime I'm sure and boy we're really in a battle against that when you try to control the minds of young people, I mean, here in, in California, um, my granddaughter is 11. When she hits 12, my daughter has to get her permission to look for, into her medical records. No. Her medical records will not be available uh, when my granddaughter is 12 years old. This state is, uh, wow. gosh, I, I don't know what's going on here. But uh, it's frightening to me. It makes me angry, obviously. It's frightening, but... We're really in a battle, and we, we have to equip ourselves and, and get out there. That's our job. It's our obligation. It's, uh, I think the Lord anointed every one of us to get into this battle. And I agree with you, and I, I have both children and grandchildren in California. You know, our headquarters and training centers is here in Colorado. That's where I am right now. We're looking at possibly getting a ranch in Texas, a big one, uh, for to continue to do expanded work, but it's what's shocking is there are parents of these children that are opening kids up to this and actually supporting school boards and our government to do the craziest thing, uh, but we have to reach the young people and those who are finding out who haven't had solid parents and now they're reaping consequences of actions their parents let them do. They're going, this is wrong. The suicide rate is going to be much higher, and we're seeing it. The mental health issues are off the walls. And uh, Lonnie Frisbee, you know, bringing him up, in his book that he wrote, in his final book, one of the things he said near the end of his life was he realized and he was saying this back in the 90s, that the gay agenda was so aggressive through media, through uh, even, he could see it starting to happen through churches to infect young people. And he was prophetic even as he was dying uh, to, to realize this, because even though he struggled with his identity and there were times he had same-sex attraction. He never, I, he never identified as a, a gay homosexual in the community. He just still saw it as sin. But yet he said he met some of the nicest people, most gifted people that were in the, in the gay lifestyle that just needed Jesus to help mm -hmm. set them free. So he, he didn't try to hide that at the end, and he repented, and he got his life right with the Lord. But he was prophetic in what he was saying because, I mean, God really did use him to start that Jesus movement and then, I think, explode the Vineyard movement. Um, 
And I think that's why the enemy railed against him so hard, but he, he knew from being abused as a kid at eight years old for I think four years by a male babysitter, it messed his whole logic and thinking up and he struggled. And there was never anyone there to help him walk through that until late, later in life to help him understand what, what he was struggling with. And still, you know, he had people that would point the finger, but he was broken instead of saying, let us help you work yeah. through this and get healed. Um, but yeah. No, I, I tell you, you know, I, I speak of experience. I have seven children and, you know, some of them didn't find their way in life until their mid twenties. My son, <clears throat> my yeah. junior, you know, he was uh, 30 years old before he got himself really straightened out and knew what he was doing in life. And look, even myself, when I go back, you yeah. know, because I had a crazy childhood too and, and stuff going on in the house. It wasn't until later on in life that I really settled in and understood what I was, you know, called to do. But, you know, to take kids at 10, 11, 12 years old or to, or even at, you know, I'm, I'm horrified to see five, six, seven years old, the literature that's in the libraries and schools and what some of these these, I have to call them devil teachers are trying to teach our yeah. kids at that age. I, I, I just can't believe, I don't understand it. And you know, <clears throat> what I'm trying to understand, Victor, is what is their motive? What is their end game in trying to screw up emotionally a, a kid at that age? What are they trying to accomplish? I, I can't, well, I can't answer. I, I don't know. Maybe well, I heard me. if, it, I call them dark evangelists. And I believe they're demonized. I, I have a strong part of our ministry helps people get set free from what we call demonic strongholds and oppression. Uh, it, and I'm not even talking about possession, but I'm just talking about, you know, uh, even Christians. So many Christians are oppressed and have strongholds and they, they don't want to recognize it or they're afraid. It's like, hey, man, you got to be set free in order to fight darkness at a different level. And these teachers and people that are aggressively pursuing children, grooming, I mean, pedophiles going after children, I believe it's just the strategy of the devil because if you can wound, break, hurt a child in any area, then you have to work on repairing an adult. But if, if you can protect a child and give them the foundational basics of what's right and what's wrong. They, they may, you know, go up and down, but they'll, come, they'll find the Lord instead of breaking them and twisting them and, you know, putting pornography in front of them as little children. It's, it's like you said, it's beyond belief, and it is a battle. And that's where I challenge men and pastors is to step up. If pastors aren't addressing this in their pulpit, or in their men's groups, so that you know, I, I just go, why not? You, you you don't hide behind the gospel to not stand for children and youth, and 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 a lot of people are afraid, and it's like, my gosh, uh, your your silence is very loud when it comes time for protecting children. Just say something, just encourage your people to put faith in action. And, um, it, it, you know, I've had many pastors tell me, well, Victor, I'm just about preaching the gospel. And I said, well, yeah, I preach the gospel and I also protect women and children. 
It only takes that much more courage, not much more. You know, it's faith in action. And, uh, and I, I think that's why a lot of, well, when, when I posted that video and I encouraged people to watch it, it was my, it was my take on Jesus revolution, my excitement and to tell people, Hey, go watch it. But also my warning. And here's a perfect example. The origins of Costa Mesa Calvary, it, you know, they never mentioned Costa Mesa. And I think it was, I think it was strategic because where Chuck started and where it is now are light years apart. Yeah. Brian Broderson took over that, his son, and I was on staff with Brian and Vista. He was my mm -hmm. first pastor. He married my wife and I, and we started watching Brian drift into CRT and supporting BLM and then just compromising. And I set up for Brian for a long time, and then finally I just couldn't any longer. I'm like, there's, there's no way. His son, I put in the video, who's the co-senior pastor who's going to take over Costa Mesa, the Calvary Chapel movement where it started. His son literally said, I can't believe Christians are saying that they can use weapons as a self-defense to protect themselves or their families. And it's like, what? I, I must have heard that wrong. And then he goes, and think they have freedoms and rights, you know, and still present the gospel as though, uh, I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. And Charlo, if you're watching or listening, if you've changed your point of view, hey, just let me know and, and I'll make a correction. Otherwise, it's tragic that that stuff's coming out of Costa Mesa and out of a lot of other uh, churches, which, you know, there's power in the preaching. I've been to Iraq and Syria. I'm on 16 times with my wife and I and our team. I still have a safe house in Iraq. I have a team there right now. And I will tell you, the power's in the preaching. The, the influence that imams and clerics have. And here in the U.S., priests and pastors, people are drawn to strong leadership spiritually. And if people aren't using that for the right reasons, man, God help them. Because it hurts and affects our children and the family unit. No, I agree with everything you say. And... and uh... You know, it's time for pastors, evangelists to really be bold because the forces against us are very bold. Yes. And you can't be meek, you know, uh, and weak in fighting back. We fight, we fight back, you know, biblically in a Christian way, but we have to be outspoken about it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, um, Victor, but, I, you know... I'm, I'm probably one of the most optimistic guys you'll ever meet. I'm always very optimistic, but yeah, I have a, um, <clears throat> I don't feel that way about this country. I think that, right. you know, we need Jesus revolution. We need the revivals on campus, but I think the forces against us are so strong now. I think we're in that biblical time when uh, we don't know the time or the place, obviously, but I think Jesus is getting closer. <laughs> I, really I agree. Know. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I remember in the 80s and the 90s, people were talking about his return. And then I, there was a, a flip of the coin where people were like, oh my gosh, everything's happening like right now. And then people didn't know what to, you know, and then some did push back. But I'll tell you, I, we have a thing, an approach in our ministry called retooling. And it's just praying for people to identify strongholds, break them. And, and we've seen thousands of people really walk in a level of freedom they didn't have before.
Mm. And it's not, it's not, it's just one aspect of discipleship or faith. And uh, after we get off of this podcast, I'll pray for you, okay? Because you've yes. got you to gotta experience it. It's, it's a strategy that I think God has given us in the end days. And I have prayed for children, celebrities, uh, pro athletes, generals in the Pentagon, pastors. But, but do you know who m- most fear this approach? Pastors. Yeah. I've had pastors I even was praying for, and they're like, hey, let's stop. I'm not comfortable. I'm like, why not? You, Well, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. It's like I had a very famous pastor, very well known, one of the largest churches in the U.S., and he said, Victor, if what you're saying is true in this simple five-minute prayer, 10-minute prayer over somebody makes that big of a difference, he goes, I would have to pray for a lot of people. And I, I, I'm like, what? And I won't say his name because he's a friend and I don't think it'll benefit anything. Throw him under the bus. But there's a time where I think congregants are going to be able to say, do you have experience against a demonic? Because they're manifesting everywhere in our culture. It's They're not even trying to hide, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think we have the word we need the power of God in demonstration. And that's what's happening in these revivals. And young people, they they want the power of God. They they just don't want a head knowledge. They're like, you know, they want to see faith in action. And um, we're excited, I think, to be part of what God's doing in that even now. Well, Victor, I want to, I'll share this with you. And hopefully people will, will understand where I'm coming from in, in the right way. But I'll tell you what what you can pray for me for. Yeah, I, I, I am so outraged. I think that's the only word I can use okay. at our current administration because I think it's nothing but deceit and lies and hypocrisy. And one of the things, and, and I don't mind saying it, look, it's, it's yeah. not a personal thing. I don't know these people personally, but when we have people in office that knowingly, knowingly yeah. are allowing... Uh, our country to be disrupted and people being murdered by the amount of drugs that are coming over the border. And the reason I take this personal uh, in a way is because I, I spoke with 850 border patrol, border control agents from the state of Texas. And we, you know, we spent time together after I spoke and they told me the, some of the horrors that they were revealing to me coming over the border. And saying, Michael, we're not even getting 10%, not even 10% of the illegal drugs that are coming over. We had an incident in our house. My daughter's um, would have been her fiance. Nice young man, 24 years old, worked for me. He did a lot of my video stuff. Was living in my house, in my guest house, because he came in from Michigan. And uh, he took an Adderall and, uh, that was laced with fentanyl, collapsed in my bathroom, and died within five oh. minutes and the trauma that it caused our household you, you you can't imagine you know my young daughter 22 years old again oh my goodness because she found him in the morning oh. but my point is if you know these these people that are dying from this drug are not even addicts they're, no. they're, they're just they're being poisoned if you victor i spent 20 years on the street in my wildest imagination, I couldn't allow this. And I know guys on the street that wouldn't have 
acted this way to kill young people. Right. How can you be the president of the United States? How could you be in the administration, know this is happening and not do anything about it? This is evil personified in my view. And that's only one of the things. I mean, we can go to COVID and we right. can do all of this stuff, but how could you be in control, elected an official, people put their faith and trust in you and to act in such a manner that, so the prayer is, I'm going to be honest with you, I almost have hatred in my heart. I, I don't know how, I'm trying to control it, you know, so that I, I'm not unchristian-like in the way I address it with people, but it's 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 outrageous. I just don't understand it. Well, it's it's time for what I would call righteous indignation, because the church for so long has messaged, you know, uh, behavior modification. Just be nice, and I'm and I've been telling people I'm not a nice person. It, it, go with me to Iraq. Go with me to the border. We took a team, my wife was with me, to the border of what you're talking about. Then to we went to southern Mexico. Then we crossed into Guatemala. We went into Panama, went up to, to the Darien Gap. And then we went all the way to Colombia. We saw it firsthand. We've held girls that have been raped so many times in order to get through a three-month deal. And I'm with you. It's like it, it, there isn't a, what blows my mind is you watch people in positions of leadership lie. They're just lying. And I tell people, let's pull out the poly. Let, let, let's start polygraphing people. And, uh, it, you know, there's an 80, I think it's 86% effective rate on it. Nobody wants to do a poly. No. But yet, guys in the intel community, uh, on special operations teams, and in law enforcement, they take it. But you ask people hard questions, you'll find the truth out real quick. But I'm with you. I think righteous indignation is a good thing. And, and when I tell people I'm not nice, I tell them I'm kind. I seek to be a kind Christian, which means I'm going to do the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. Not nice because I want something. And there's a lot of nice people out there in politics, but they, their hearts are so dark. So I appreciate your moxie. I especially for someone who comes from the street. It's almost like those of us who've had tough backgrounds get it more. Yeah. Right? No, no question. I, I can tell you this, Victor, you know, I, and I'll share it with your, your viewers. You know, I have a pretty big presence on social media. And, you know, I, we talked about mob yeah. stories. If I wasn't afraid to get thrown off of social media, right. I would be preaching this message every day. I don't want to talk about anything else but this because I want to help save this country. You know, right. people say, oh, come on, Michael, you know, you fought against the government. It doesn't mean I don't love my country. I love right. my country. This is where I was born and raised. It's been very good to me. You know, when I was a criminal, I got what I deserved at times. That's okay. We understood that. But to see these people just totally destroy the country that we live in and the people involved, it's, it's heartbreaking. I want to shout from the rooftops. The problem is they'll shut you down. So you have to, you almost have to be strategic in how you do it. But I have nothing else that I want to talk about but this. Yep. You know, I, I really don't because it's, it's horrifying. I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. And, and if... It's 
it's all planned. I don't think this is just something that's happening by chance. It's too strategic from the forces of darkness. You don't let in millions of people into this country. And again, I'm all for immigrants. I'm all for people coming uh, the right way. But the, the influx of drugs, and I promise you, because we've had run-ins with obviously what we do, uh, having recovered and rescued women and children from ISIS, a large organization uh, overseas, and we still do work directly in an ISIS confinement camp in Syria. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the reality is there are criminal elements flowing into this country Sales are being developed. And for the average person, the common sense person, it, it's just, it's mind-blowing. It's yeah. like, why doesn't someone do something? And I'm telling you, even in the Republican Party, I think that's why people hate Trump so much, because, you know, he, he goes after people. Yeah. And who, whoever's going whoever's gonna to be in leadership needs to be aggressive, needs to do a different type of, you know, warfare in order to stop this because our nation and our children's future is dependent upon something starting to happen right now. And again, we come at it from a spiritual part of view, but also a practical point of view of standing up for what's right. And I appreciate your heart and, and your, your action. And having trauma like that happen in your own home, it it, it changes everything. You, you can't go back to any semblance of normal, right? It's just no. like th no. this, something has to be done. And uh, and we support your voice and, and I will help you in any way we can. And uh, I, I think that's, that's why the timing of this for us, uh, for you to be on the show uh, matters. Well, I'll tell you, Victor, and, uh, and thank you for that. And, you know, the frustrating thing is I'm trying to look at the entire world, and I see now China and Russia kind of allying in a way. We see Iran and Saudi Arabia kind of moving towards China. We see, you know, certain countries in South America. Then I see the, the uh, you know, what's happening here in this country uh, the breakdown in, in morality here, which is so apparent. I mean, it's such an immoral, uh, immoral yep. breakdown that we're having here. And I'm saying, yep. you know, the United States doesn't real, really appear biblically anywhere in the end. And uh, things seem to be lining up. You don't want to, I'm not a prophet, obviously, but, you know, I'm, I'm a student of the Bible like you are. And we try to look at things. And, and so what do we do? I mean, we can't stop that. But what we can do is try to get as many people educated and saved as we possibly can. And right. I think that's, that's our, our, uh, our mission now. It's our, whatever way we carry it out, that's our mission. And whatever our ministry is, that's our mission. But I'm outraged, and uh, I just try to keep myself calm. I mean, you know what? I, the, the other thing we have to understand is that, you know, the, the mainstream media is so in line with this, too. That's why this is a demonic play. There's right. no question. Right. Because so many people, Victor, you know, there's normal people that are out there trying to make a living, support their yeah. families. They're not in tune with the political spectrum the way we are. They, they don't right. get it. They hear something, they turn on CNBC or, or CNN, and they think that's it and everything is okay. 
but uh, and, and the, you know the look uh, the devil's greatest weapon is uh, distraction, misinformation. Um, you know he quietly does that, and that's what's happening. And yeah. uh, look, I'm just con I'm very concerned. My wife sometimes has to hold me down. I walk past <laughs> the television, and I'll even use the wrong language. You know, I'm just mad. <laughs> yeah, I'm mad. Some adjectives some adjectives are better than others <laughs> describing certain situations and you know what i tell people this i go look in iraq or kurdistan that's actually it can be a better place to raise your children on a moral ground than the u.s i go i can walk into a mall in kurdistan not worried about being jumped in the parking lot in the mall, nothing it won't happen i said Weddings are celebrated in a beautiful way. Mm. Uh, saving yourself for your spouse is celebrated for women. Th there are so many things. The problem, and, and I'm just going to say it, like in Kurdistan, some of the roughest areas where alcohol, like I'm, I'm talking, that goes completely against Islam. Uh, nightclubs, uh, heavy fornication, sexual stuff happens in the Christian community oh, gosh and the Muslims look at it and go it, you'll have a Christian girl in a mall dressed like a hooker yeah and and I'm like and all they're trying to do is emulate America and we've stopped girls and said please don't follow that please don't follow that example of you know because it leads it spirals down to out-of-control drug use uh, uh, not honoring God and you don't hear of skull shootings in Kurdistan. Not going to happen. Uh, the extreme stuff happens, but that's extremist. That's not the kind of the average person. But uh, our country needs a revival, and I hope it's starting to happen now that people will get saved and return back to some moral code of what is simply right and wrong. Even in your day, there was a code. Oh, absolutely. And, and and now it's all washed away. Uh, you know, my, my dad ran drugs, my biological dad, for the family out of New Orleans. And, um, and even when they would hurt people's feelings, there was still a code, you know, Absolutely. of what was right and wrong and who crossed it. And nowadays, man, it's just, uh, again, the spiral downward. But again... I'm like you, I'm optimistic. Uh, I think of Chesty Puller, uh, a, a Marine general that became very famous. But during the Korean War, they were surrounded and he, he had a lieutenant come up to him and say, sir, we're completely surrounded. There's no way out of this. And Chesty was like, he just smiled and laughed. He said, well, then the enemies made our job easy. We can shoot in any direction and hit them. Hmm. And, and I think Today, the darkness is so thick that we can be a light anywhere we go. We can take authority. We can and stop fearing. And that's the main thing is, man, Christians have to stop being afraid and just engage. Uh, because persecution is coming. And if they're afraid of engaging and being, you know, it's like, man, w wait till. And, and even like in Kurdistan, we did a wedding conference. Like a wedding conference, a marriage conference rather, 
there had never been one done in Iraq ever because uh, they that's not a, that concept of having a marriage conference that you know it's like what 300 couples showed up 300 people it was unreal four languages they were so hungry for the truth no one we were Christians and we're talking the majority were Muslim or, or Yazidi or you know some Christians but People are hungry, and we need people in America to get hungry again yeah. for what's right, you know, instead of all this craziness that's attacking children. Well, folks, I'll stop there, because uh, but I'm glad y'all got to get into this conversation between me and a friend. And how is a good way for people to reach out to you? Follow you on social media, your website. Could you let them know? Yeah, social media is the best. Um, you know, I've I've a fairly uh, good reach on YouTube. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, you know, you name it. We're all over there. We have to yep. have a voice on social media today. Uh, my website is just my name, michaelfrancis.com. Um, but, you know, Victor, I welcome people to jump on board. You know, one, one of the things that, uh, that I, I tell people all the time, they say, oh, you know, Mike, politics is such a rough area. And I tell them, you know what? Uh, we're not talking politics. We're talking issues that affect your life. Right. It's the politicians that make it political, but these are real issues. When drugs are coming across the border and, and poisoning our kids, that's an issue. That's not politics. When, you know, we get a pandemic that kills several million people around the world and the source of the, of the disease is being, uh, you know, kept from us, that's not politics. That's issues that we need to find out so it's not repeated. So it's not it's not a question of politics. You know, you know, Victor, you know this. You have a friend, a spouse, a partner. They lie to you once. Ah, okay. You know, you straighten it out. The second time gets a little bit more, you know, uh, worrisome. Uh, you straighten it out. The third, fourth, fifth time. Hey, that's it. You're done. Trust is gone. And people look at politicians and I say they're lying to you on a daily basis about issues that affect your life. And people go, oh, that's politics. It's not politics. It's lying. <laughs> it's yeah. lying. You, you don't replace the, what lying really is. And we have to do something about it. We have to hold people accountable. We have to speak out against it. And not in a way that's, we're not talking about being aggressive physically or anything like that. Right. That's not right. what we stand for. Right. We stand for, you know, having our voices heard uh, and, and spreading the gospel the right way. And, um, I think we're both in that fight, you know, together in any way that I can support you, Victor, I'm in, um, yeah. you know, whatever resources I have that can be helpful, I, I, I'm there, and uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, brother. Well, uh, thank you for that, and I always ask my guests two questions at the end. There's no wrong answer, uh, because it's coming from my guest perspective, but the first question is this. Most people make decisions or judgments based on perspective, right? It's like what you know a little or a lot. But we always ask our guests, what is your perspective on who we are as a ministry or me and what we do, my wife? What is your perspective? Well, my perspective is you're very bold um, and you're in a ministry that is is so direly needed today. I mean, we, we need it. Um, and I think you're you're pretty much a pioneer in that regard. I don't know too many others, Victor, that are doing that. So 
Uh, my wife and I follow you all the time. You know, my Thank wife you. is an avid follower of you and your wife. So, Thank um, you. yeah, we, we support in every way and, and we pray for you. Um, you know, Thank you're you. on our prayer list. So just keep up the great work. Man, I, I appreciate that. That means so much. The second question is, we talked about death. Everybody's going to die. What happens to Michael Francisi when he closes his eyes for the last time? What happens to you and why do you believe it? Well, you know, that's an interesting question, you know, and I'm uh, one thing, there's so many things that have impacted me. Uh, I'm, I'm more a New Testament guy than I am an Old Testament because I'm just really into Jesus and what Jesus had to say about things in mm -hmm. life. And being in ministry, you know, I'll be honest with you, over the years, I've been given a platform that uh, people are attracted to, you know, they want to hear about the mob, it gets them in the door, and then prayerfully they go out really knowing Jesus or really wanting to know Jesus. We plant seeds. Uh, but there are times when, you know, people are singing your praises and saying all these wonderful things. And I always, it's a check and balance on myself. Yeah. Michael, are you doing this because you like what you're hearing or are you doing this really because mm -hmm. you love the Lord and this is your mission in life? So my check and balance all the time is, when I stand in front of Jesus, the four words you'd never want to hear is, I never knew you. Wow. So um, my prayer is always keep, keep my heart in the right place, keep, be humble. There's nothing more attractive in my view, having grown up the way I have and living the life, in seeing humility in people of substance and powerful people. I think it's the yeah. most attractive characteristic or trait that anyone can have. So I try to keep myself humble. And uh, when I close my eyes, I want Jesus to say to me, uh, welcome, you know, my, my humble servant. Uh, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I love it, man. Me and you on the same page with that. Well, thanks again, folks. Michael shared how you can reach him. And I, I encourage you all to follow him on social media. Check out his website. And uh, he is a trophy of God's grace and, and the Lord does show off through this man and his family. So pray for them and encourage them. And uh, we appreciate all of you guys who watch and listen and support the work that we do. And wherever you are and whatever you're doing, hey, do it for the glory of God. Now go get her done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.